You're listening to the RUV English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is slash English. Hello, this is RUV English. I'm Darren Adam. Thanks very much for your time. We look ahead to the end of June, the start of July, a four-stage, five-day cycle trip. Maybe that's not quite the right word to use. We'll find out in a minute. Through and around the Westfjords, the Arna Westfjords Way Challenge. And my guest today is someone who took part in this amazing event last year. He has cycled this particular route and he obviously wasn't so dissuaded by the horror of it that he's not doing it again this year because he is. Stephen Shaleski joins me. Stephen, thanks very much for your time. So there'll be a link to the website of the event up on the article that accompanies this if anyone wants to find out more information about how they can take part. But let's go back to last year. What prompted you to take part in this event? Yeah, I mean, I actually hadn't cycled uh, anything more than 100 miles prior to doing it. So it was it seemed like a huge reach. And I, I think it came just at the time of personally in life wanting a challenge, wanting something to train for that was sort of separate from, you know, my job and normalcies in life and, and mm-hmm. find a reason as an American to come back to Iceland. Um, so I, I signed up for it in February and left myself mm-hmm. about four months to train for it. You said there that you'd never cycled more than a hundred miles before. For most people that will be more cycling than they've ever done in their lives. And I must admit as a driver, I was up in the Westfield just, uh, just last weekend, a couple of weekends ago. And I drove around from Holmavik up to uh, Drangsnes and a little bit up towards Honstrandir, you know, my car was struggling to make it around yeah. some of those bends and up those hills. The idea for me of doing it on the bicycle seems almost supernatural. <laughs> yeah, I think finding that motivation is is required to to finish it because it's not just something I I think you can just come on a whim and do. You have to have some personal drive to to want to finish this because the West Fjords are harsh but beautiful, and I think. Um, you know, Iceland is in that way. I feel like you'll have those moments where it just crushes you. And then in the same time, it will just show you this complete other side and you're quick to forgive it <laughs> um, because it's so beautiful. Well, let's but, just put some numbers on this. 956 kilometers. That's about 600 miles. 600 miles on a, on a bicycle in some of the, certainly the most remote, certainly the most beautiful terrain, but also very hilly, very challenging. I mean, 594 miles on a bicycle on the flat would be a challenge for most people. But tell me about the training that you did and tell me if it was equal to the task that became obvious once you started the challenge last year. Yeah, I think in terms of just putting numbers to it, I I rode about 2,500 miles leading up to the race as training in total. Um, And while some people may have a different number in their mind for me that that felt like it was just enough to get me to go through it because you know after it was done i I couldn't it it was three weeks before i felt like i was recovered um and so i think when people are more seasoned cyclists they might be able to you know recover quickly and go right back into it but i think as someone that hadn't spent as much time on the bike before um That felt like the bare minimum (laughs) to get me through it. The first stage starts in Isafjörda, ends up in in Drangsnes, 
it then goes from the Hotel Leugehut to Felstrand, and then from Vogar Country Lodge to Patricksfjerde. Uh, there is what's described as an adventure day, when you can take a day off and do whatever you want. And for most people, that's going to involve yet more cycling, it seems. You then go from Patricksfjerde back to Isafjerde. Plot that on a map, and it's basically all of the West Fjords. Yeah, that was exactly it. It's, um, it's the same this year. So I think... Um... Yeah, that's based off of the West Fjords Way, which is kind of yeah. a cycle route and originally a driving route um, in the area. And so, yeah, this year it tracks the same. So covering this vast distance in that period of time, do you have to almost shut out the scenery? Do you have to concentrate on getting the kilometres in? Or is the staggering beauty of this part of the world a distraction? Because I know it would be for me, it is as a driver. I think it's all of the above. I, I think there's times when it's a motivator and there's times when you're just like head down music and not looking at it. And I, I think there's these, you know, these days are often I view in chapters because I think there's times when you're like on this high, just kind of cycling and it maybe is a downhill section or something fun. And then, you know, there'll be challenging times where it's head down or there'll be times when you're just riding with other riders that you haven't met before. And you're able mm -hmm. to, to kind of sit and have these great conversations that, is also an amazing way to, to pass the time. I felt like that was one of the biggest positives from the race was this community that was here for it. Well, tell me about that, because I wonder when you finished, if you decided that was fantastic, I'm going to do this again next year, or whether it took you some time to come to that decision and, and to what extent the, the kind of friendships and relationships you made along the way fed into that decision. Yeah, I think I think for me it would it would fit the textbook descriptor of type two fun. So it's something that in the moment is maybe painful, and then in hindsight you're like, that was a really great experience. Mm -hmm. um, some people might say it was type three and, and don't have that hindsight, and then some people it might be type one and it's just fun the whole time. But I think for me it was I, I felt like it was pretty quick. I felt like there was that immediate relief when it was done, and you're like, wow, this was this huge powerful experience that showed me um, a different level of resilience I had in myself and just a mm -hmm. different level of something that I, I didn't think I would have been able to accomplish. Um, and I think that's powerful. And then having all of these um, other riders from all different walks of life, all different ages from all around the world. Um, I think that was huge. I mean, I, I, there's numerous riders that I stayed in touch with over the last year, some of which are coming back and some of which aren't, but I mean, some of which I've ridden with in the States since then. And then, you know, just people that, that are friends now. So I think that is really cool. You're almost bonded through this trauma of doing this, <laughs> of doing this really hard experience together. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, you also said that, that this is, or you, you coming back to do this is partly an excuse to be back in Iceland. You are from Wyoming originally. You're in Iceland just now training for your repeat performance on the, the circuit, how did you find out about the challenge and, and what was your first visit to Iceland? Yeah, I, I first came, Iceland was actually the first place I ever went um, outside of the US and it was okay. in 20, uh, 2017. It was kind of that after university trip of just wanting to, to you know, go somewhere abroad. And I think mm -hmm. Iceland is a place that's well marketed <laughs> to the US. And so there was... It didn't used to be. The reason I ask is that it's... Uh... <laughs> It would have been a very avant-garde decision maybe 25 years ago. That was just about six years ago. I think it was fairly popular, um, you know, certainly, yeah, it was known, but I think it was still, um, 
I don't know, a little bit more outlandish than maybe just going to visit cities in Maine, Europe or something like that. Mm. Um, but I, I would say that, you know, after that, I came back here for work doing a, I'm a photographer, so I was doing a, a photo shoot for Helly Hansen. And then um, I would say the West Fjords, I, I first saw this race um, from a couple US-based riders that were um, more, you know, that were professional riders that were going to be on the first year of it. And um, a US-based photographer, Chris Burkhardt, had, had basically planned this route in, you know, with a team uh, with the idea of this becoming a stage race. And so um, just being kind of connected with those people um, through social media, I became aware of the actual event. Um, and the West Fjords was kind of that one part of Iceland I hadn't been to yet, but had been longing to go to because it it seemed like it was so different from the rest. And now I, yeah, it is. It is. It's, it seems like a special part of this country that yeah. um, that feels distinctly different. And that's really, really amazing. How competitive is this race? Because it is a race. How important is that element is it like running a marathon where some people will be doing it for fun? Some people will be doing it because they desperately want to be among the fastest finishers. And and, and where are you on that uh, sort of scale? Yeah. So I, I think it's about half and half. Um, if I were to just, you know, I think there's, there's certainly a, a good amount of competitive riders that are looking to set the fastest time and, and do well and place well. And then I would say the other half is looking to see how capable they are and just kind of out there racing themselves and, and many with just a goal of finishing or just doing, just trying their best and doing mm -hmm. as much as, as you can, because I think even completing one stage of this is an accomplishment. And that yeah. was something that, <laughs> that I, you know, after I did day one, I was like, wow, that was the hardest thing I've ever done just day one. So then I think at that time thinking about doing it again and again, I mean, for me, it, it was a personal challenge. I wasn't looking to, I mean, at that point i would have been naive to try and race it i was really had only been even thinking about long distance cycling four months ahead of it so i was um and, and before that i really didn't bike much at all so it was like this all kind of came in as a new thing and so i i trained with the goal of just completing it and i think this year i now have that number in my mind and i'd like to race myself okay um, i was going to again. ask you that so you are yeah. competing with yourself but the competitive element <laughs> is is more important to you this year than last year a little bit, yeah. I'm not expecting to, you know, stand up there with these top riders that are well seasoned, but I think, you know, if, if you're out there for for personal growth and personal challenge, that's that's an amazing thing yeah. to try. So, what happens if you have a breakdown, if that's the right word to use, on a bicycle? If there's a mechanical failure of some kind, because this is a very remote part of Iceland, even for motorists, it is difficult to get uh, you know attention for a broken down car a broken down vehicle how reliant are you on your own resources and do other riders help if something goes wrong yeah so um it is a self-supported race so you're not allowed to receive outside help um so i mean if someone on the race course with you is there and and wants to take their time to maybe help you with that that's okay but it's it's not like you could have your partner driving in a van that can like take a spare part out and, and do that. So you gotta be, you gotta carry everything that you think you might need um, to survive these stages and, and be as prepared as you can for, you know, common breakdowns. I think there's the chance something catastrophic happens that you just can't fix on course. And that would be, you know, unfortunate, but I think being prepared for to fix a chain or to definitely to change a tire um, 
those are things that I think, you know, you got to be, yeah. have at least some practice in. And did you have anything to. like that go wrong last year? I did not have anything go wrong last year. Um, so fortunately, but I was, I did have everything I would have needed to try and fix that at that time. Could I have fixed it? I don't know. But um, It wasn't something that I had much experience with, but yeah. I did uh, carry a full kit of supplies. I, I imagine after each day, the bed, the shower, the bar, maybe in the places that you stopped were just like oases in the desert. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say like that was that was one of the coolest parts of the experience was like each of these guest houses is just like it, it felt like you were at just I mean, it, it's such a I, I don't know what the right description is, but they've just cultivated this vibe that feels so distinctly West Fjords and, and does mm. create a really relaxing place to finish. And, and granted, most people are like stumbling in there just trying to feed themselves with <laughs> whatever amazing food these lodges are, or these guest houses are preparing. And then I think some, like the first end of stage one, you have this beautiful hot spring and pool to like, like nothing felt as good as swimming after sitting on the bike for that long in some hot water. And so I think having that was just like something to look forward to. And some people tent camp. Um, but I think most of these guest houses have still have showers and, yeah, yeah. or, you know, a hot, hot pot or something for you. So it, it felt like across the board, it was a good setup for that. Did you jump into the harbor in Isafjörður at the end? I did not, and I think it was because <laughs> some people um, did, didn't they? A few people did, and I think this year they're going to set it up a little bit differently so that they'll have like some towels for us and make it a little bit of a more um, accommodating setup to kind of encourage it. Because I agree that would be a really good way to have kind of a grand finale. But the reality of it last year was while the weather was good in terms of not being too windy or rainy, it was extremely cold. Yeah. And so coming over this last mountain pass that goes over the tunnel that you typically drive into East of Fjorder, if you're coming mm -hmm. from the fingery side, um, it was, it was sub zero or yeah, sub zero up there. And um, it was, it still had the snow bridge to cross and everything. So I was just so cold. The last thing I thought about was jumping in the ocean. <laughs> this route doesn't go through any tunnels. So you have, you know, a defunct road that goes over this tunnel into uh, East of Shorter. And so mm -hmm. that's, that's the final kind of like the final boss. <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's the hardest climb of the whole race. Well, yeah, because that, that road was replaced with a tunnel for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and last year there was still snow on the top. So you have everybody yeah. pushing their bikes through this patch of snow with like a big, you know, mountainside beside you that you don't want to mm -hmm. fall down and, and you're extremely exhausted because you've just biked a hundred or 590 miles. Yeah. Um, so that was, it's kind of, but it was a fitting dramatic finish. I would say there's a fair amount of sponsored riders that, you know, the ones, particularly the people that are racing it more competitively come from having these existing sponsorships with different bike brands and, and whatnot. Um, this year I pursued, just a few smaller ones, um, like in terms of just getting like a really good bag set up on my bike and mm. stuff like that to help with the cost. But sure. um, I'd say it's like, again, maybe like 30 or 40% of that. And then the rest being like true privateers that are just here for, for their own reasons. Yeah. Just to remind her, 954 kilometers is the total <laughs> length of this thing, the, the Westfields Way, the Anna Westfields Way Challenge, which is on the 27th of June until the 2nd of July. Training is going well then? Yeah, yeah. For me, it's been going great. I think being able to do it here has been a gift mm. um, because 
I've I've certainly been able to ride in really bad weather, which has been um, a good thing, I guess. And and you know, Iceland can be unforgiving, and so I think being able to train in that environment has been like a really special personal experience. And mm. and it's just, I, I mean, there's no where more beautiful. I think just any little day ride you take around the West Fjords. I think yeah. even if you're not doing this race. It should be on everyone's list that's a cyclist to at least come and do something here on a bike because it's just yeah. such a good way to to be in this environment. Well, Wyoming, of course, is a state right in the middle of America, perhaps untypical of what many people would think of as America, certainly not typical of the the, the bigger states on the, the coast, the more populous states on the coast. Is there any parallel there with the Westfjords and the rest of Iceland? Do you do you recognize a sort of otherness and differentness? Yeah, I mean, where I'm, so I'm, I'm based in Jackson, Wyoming, which is near uh, Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Parks. So we have, you know, a pretty high alpine mountainous environment. And I think also a very athlete centric um, community, a lot of skiers and mostly I'd say like skiers and mountaineers, but I, a lot of just outdoorsmen in general. Um, and so I, I think in before that I was living in Colorado, kind of another state in the Intermountain area. So I've always been drawn to these more, um, I guess, adventurous, kind of sometimes harsh, but beautiful environments. And so, yeah, it's been, I, I'd say there's there are those semi-parallel um, mm. parallels that exist. But Iceland is is like nowhere else. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, it, it's almost, I think, compared to none because it is so unique, um, truly. It's incredibly... <laughs> seductive we first came in 1998 and i'd always wanted to come to iceland since i was a little kid in the uk never knew why never had any real idea why i was fascinated by the place we came happily i liked it my partner liked it and here we are for you your first trip was more recent but it sounds like you've been you know seduced by the country in the same difficult to explain way as so many people are it's the same thing. Yeah, I, I, it was a place that as a kid, I always dreamt of. And I don't know why I had mm. pictures of it. It was like, I was just enamored by this idea of Iceland. And, you know, because it would be like briefly brought up in grade school or whatever, when you're looking at like world geography. And then I came for the first time. And I mean, I, it's truly, I truly is a place I think about every day. And I think you don't quite know why, but I just mm need to come back and i feel like these trips trips keep getting longer and longer and then i think <laughs> um i feel fortunate as a photographer that i have kind of that flexibility to come here for a longer period of time but i don't foresee that changing and i think this time will be the longest i've spent in iceland about two and a half months and i think my love for it has grown just so much <laughs> in this and, little bit of time and the is the towards. plan then for you to move to iceland if you could uh I don't think I could say that's the plan right now. I think to spend time here every year. Um, Let me rephrase sure. that. Is it is it the plan to get your application in for the 2024 challenge before you've done this year's? <laughs> yes, I would say so. Okay. I would say okay. that I plan to keep coming back and experiencing that. And I would I plan to keep coming back to Iceland every year. I think there's every time I see it, there's more and more things I want to do here. I think being like a big skier in the U.S. and seeing that potential in the West Fjords is huge. I think mm -hmm. wanting to come and do that too. So um, I will always find a reason to be here. Um, 
So I'm going <laughs> to, I look forward to that, but the race will certainly remain one of those. Sure. Well, Steve, I was going to wish you good luck, but it doesn't sound like luck has terribly much to do with this. It's incredibly hard work, <laughs> incredibly lengthy training and endurance on the day and the days. I wish you good luck anyway, though, even though I don't think you're <laughs> going to you. need it. Um, for this year's 2023 Arno Westfjords Way Challenge, we'll put a link to the website up on the article that accompanies this. Stephen Shalesky taking part in the challenge for the second but I suspect not the last time. Thanks very much for joining me today. We'll let you get back to your training. Uh, this is Ruve English. I'm Darren Adam. Thank you for your time today. Get in touch anytime. We're English at ruv.is. You're listening to the Ruve English podcast. To hear more and for all the news from Iceland in English, just head to ruv.is English.